Welcome back to Sealed, a Bible study podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Seal. And I'm Shiloh Seal. And you are looking beautiful today. Why, thank you. We are going to wrap up chapter two of 2 Thessalonians, and we may even begin into chapter three. We've only got about four verses left, but I wanted to start by mentioning something that was just really brought to my mind from the last discussion we had. That one was a little wild, a little off the rails, but important history notes. And and I do think it's important for Christians to understand when it comes to eschatology, there are differing viewpoints. And neither one is absolutely provable is wrong. And there's several others. And, and yeah, there are some that with a little Bible study, you can disprove. But I just wanted to share my own personal position on a couple things. As far as the rapture, I'm not, I'm not convinced there will be a rapture any longer. And I'm also far from convinced that there won't be. I live my life in a way that I'm ready if it comes and preparing and working hard, even if it doesn't. So I, I just don't think it's a healthy view to overthink about being caught up in the sky and disappearing right before the world is in serious trouble. Because if you look historically, there's never been a generation that didn't have some place on earth with a church in persecution and a church in its own tribulation. Now, that said, I also want to say that I am 100% convinced that the events in Revelation and in the book of Daniel have not all come to pass. There are things in there that, from my study of history, from my experience with the Holy Spirit and my own discernment, I can confidently say the best and worst is yet to come. Jesus has not come back to judge the wicked. And Satan has not been fully empowered to thwart the good works that have gone on on this earth. He has not been fully empowered to destroy you know, all that is good and right in this world. I believe there's most of revelation yet to come. And it doesn't really concern me if the listeners fully agree or disagree or hold different points, because what we're doing here is exposing you to the ideas and teaching you how to think for yourself. I would prefer that you disagree with me from a strong scriptural point Mm -hmm. than agree with me blindly. Mm -hmm. Like if you're studied in your word and you have been led to believe a different thing, hey, if it's biblical, we're brothers. It's it's not a point of, you know, we need to walk away from each other or this is not the, the teaching for you. It's 
it's to open your eyes to some of the secondary things. And by secondary, I mean not a salvific issue, not mm-hmm. a salvation thing. And so there's a lot of the things that we'll discuss and that we will debate that doesn't actually change the fact that we're brothers in Christ. Right. And I just wanted to be as transparent as I could. I don't necessarily believe in the rapture, but I do believe a great tribulation is coming. And I do believe that Christ's return is closer today than ever before. Amen. And I suppose I could also mention, you know, because it's another, I don't actually know if it's a debated topic or not, but this whole, is the earth billions of years old or is the earth young? Again, this is not a salvation issue and it's not something that scripture is clear on. So whether you believe it's a young earth or old earth, we can still be brothers and friends. All I know for sure is that the earth is definitely 37 years old because it's been here the entire time I've been here. <laughs> Apart from that, wait a minute, we can I'm debate. older than you. It's been here the whole time I've been here. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you say. I don't, I don't know that, though. <laughs> oh, go on. Oh, boy. All right. So we're just going to get right back into it. That all said, Lord, we pray that you would just bless this time in your word. Lord, that all divisions would fall away, that all doubts would fall away. Lord, that you would grow us in faith and in work. Lord, that you would embolden us and expand our territory. Lord, we thank you for everyone listening. And I pray right now that their hearts and their minds would become good soil for your word. Lord, let us all open ourselves up to be filled with the Holy Spirit and his wisdom. Lord, we thank you so much for this ministry and this time of teaching and fellowship. Lord, we pray that we would honor you and you would bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to begin in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, right where we left off. Would you like to read 13 through 17? But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth, to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good work, word and work. Amen. So, small chunk of scripture, but a whole lot in there. You could give quite a message just on 2 Thessalonians 2.13. And oftentimes Paul's prayers are overlooked in a sermon because there's tons of them in the Bible. He really does pray without ceasing. But one of the things I would love to study at some point, you know, publicly is the content of Paul's prayers, not just 
the depth or the amount of them. I mean, there's a significant amount of the New Testament that is just Paul praying. Mm -hmm. And that's worth noting. But the content of this prayer is so theologically sound and rich. It's you need to go through some of his (laughs) words, word by word. So he says, because from the beginning, God has chosen you for salvation through sanctification by the spirit and through belief in the truth. Now, at a later date, we can get into the whole predestination versus free will thing. God has chosen you for salvation is not necessary. Like the predestination aspect of that is present, but it's not the most important thing to focus on here because God has chosen not just the people, but he's chosen the means by which you will receive Mm -hmm. his message and receive your salvation. And so what I'd rather focus on is that not so much the you, like take the you out of that. God has chosen salvation through sanctification. What does that mean? Obviously, salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. Mm -hmm. So what does sanctification mean? Sanctification is the process by which you obtain holiness. It is... It is the cleansing of your life bit by bit, and it does not happen overnight. Like salvation truly does occur in a moment. Like when you, and, and I honestly, it's, it's three moments. And this is as deep as I'll go in this particular podcast. God, the father chose your salvation before he created the world. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ opened you up to salvation through the blood on the cross and the Holy Spirit invites you to make a free will choice for salvation at the moment that you chose salvation. And so a lot of people actually remember that moment and that's a beautiful thing. And some people, it was a little more of a process so they can't narrow it down to a day or a time. Either way is fine. That's not the point. The point is salvation is a choice you have to make. But sanctification is not the same. It's not something that happens in that moment. And now you are sanctified and cleansed of all your sin and in perfect fellowship with the Lord. There is a process of sanctification that each of us must walk out. And that's the carving that you hear about a lot. You know, Mm -hmm. God seems to be carving pieces of us away that are of no use to the kingdom because he's. He's bringing forth a new man, a new creature in Christ. And as the carving process deepens and continues, you will begin to resemble Christ more and more. You'll look way less like your old self and more and more like Christ. There is a huge part of sanctification that occurs through your interaction with the Bible, specifically the teachings of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you mold into something you've never experienced or seen? Right. The more time you spend reading about the life of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus and the commands of Jesus and the commands of his apostles, the more 
you're able to walk sanctified. And it is a long transforming process with moments of slow growth and moments of complete explosive rapid growth, you know, where he just carves off a big old chunk. Yeah, that's right. And it's all for your own good. Mm -hmm. And it is all, well, not all, but mostly painful. You know, it, it's not always easy when God carves off something that you considered part of your identity. And, and I know that from experience, like I wasn't just an alcoholic. Drinking beer was part of my identity. And so when that had to go, when God said, no, that's not part of the kingdom, it was a bit of a blow. And there was a lot of a struggle, like a long time. I struggled against that. And there's all kinds of ways you can read the scripture to say, it's okay to have a drink now and then. What I'm saying is I didn't have the ability to have just a drink. <laughs> you know, that's not who I was. Right. I was an idolater. I was an addict. If I started down that path, I continued down that path as quickly and far as I could get. Mm -hmm. And so it was something the Lord taught me for my sanctification. I need to remove alcohol from my life. And there has been no ill side effects from doing that. Right. And thank the Lord. What I'm saying is, you know, there's times where to sanctify you, he will call you to do a thing that is not necessarily the entire kingdom has to do this. And so it's also important for us to be able to discern when God personally calls us to stop doing something that is not necessarily sinful for everyone. And I hear this a lot from great ministers, from good Christians. Like, why would the Lord let you do something he called me out of? Well, maybe because he called you out of something that was no good for you, but it's not actually, it's not actually a sin-filled problem for somebody else. And this is something we just need to learn in and of ourselves. Like there are messages that are for the entire kingdom, and there's personal things God calls you to that you need to honor to go higher with him, to move higher with the Lord. And sometimes he's calling you into a place culturally that can't accept your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And so he sanctifies, he cleanses you of things that maybe isn't even wicked or sinful. It's just you're not going to be able to share the gospel effectively in the area he's calling you to next. And I've seen this happen to people before too, called into a specific lifestyle so that they are better able to relate and minister to who exactly God calls them to minister to. The next part of this sentence is also just as important, just as powerful. God has chosen you for salvation through sanctification by the spirit and through belief in the truth. So this is God's Holy Spirit and God's Holy Word working together for your sanctification. And I feel like it's important to point out that at this point, like when Paul wrote this, there was no New Testament. There was certainly letters being circulated. There was certainly the Old Testament scriptures. And the Old Testament scriptures included what you have in your Old Testament and many more. So there was written word. Written word is a huge part of what he is talking about here. 
But belief in the truth is not just belief in God's written word. And I would go so far as to say that in Paul's day, prophetic words of knowledge and wisdom and teaching and preaching and evangelism was just as much what he's talking about here. And I'm not saying believe every, every prophet that comes your way. I'm simply saying don't immediately discount or disbelieve. You should be able to test all those things that you're hearing. If somebody comes and says, I've got a word from the Lord for you, that used to send me running. Mm. Like, I think the Lord will just tell me directly if it's mm. for me. But now I just test it against scripture and I'm polite. I don't immediately dive on it. And honestly, maybe I'm a bit masochistic, but if it really benefits me, like if somebody gives me a word from the Lord that says I'm about to be rich, it's very tempting for somebody to like, yeah, I'm going to claim that one. For me, those are the ones I question more because I know some of us are appointed to hard things. There's blessings and curses in richness and in poorness. It's not, it's not so easy to just take God's good word for you and believe that and then cast out anything that appears like you're going to do some struggling or some suffering or some persecution might be coming your way. I, I tend to not choose to just believe what somebody is telling me based on what I want to hear. It always comes down to what does scripture say? Like, is this biblical? Can I point to places in the Bible where this happened? And then you also have the ability to look further down that story and see what the outcome was, what the benefit was. And it's important to do that. All right. So he called you to this through our gospel. And he's not talking about a written gospel here either. Gospel means good news. He called you to this through our gospel. So that you might obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. I had written down a verse earlier for a, a teaching for a later date that just came to mind because of this. Let me see if I can find it in my notes. Well, I'll keep looking, but I love all of these, these letters, the way they begin and end. But it's really important for us to to recognize that we will inherit what Christ has inherited mm -hmm. so that you might obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. That does not mean you will replace him, but you are in him. So Romans eight sixteen, maybe that's the verse you were thinking of. I have it in my notes. Um, it refers to where um, it says we are joint heirs with Jesus. We are heirs with him. Um, I have that as Romans 8.16. Let's see if I can grab that for us. We'll read it straight from the New King James Bible. <laughs> it says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. 17 says, And if we and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, 
that we may also be glorified together. So there's this union that you'll be experiencing in the future with Jesus Christ. But today's tribulations and victories do play into that. The other one I was thinking of was uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Mm-hmm. It says, Dear friends, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. Mm-hmm. We know that when he appears, we will be like him, because we will see him as he is. So as you're on this journey of Christ-likeness, there's also part of you that needs to recognize you are not like him yet. Right. And until you see him again coming in full glory, you can't be completely like him. But you will be one day. And the rest of this is a fairly straightforward prayer. But the prayer does continue through the next five verses. So chapter three, verse one. In addition, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the word of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored, just as it was with you. And that we and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will continue to do what we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to God's love and Christ's endurance. There's nothing wrong with praying this way. And I've gone through seasons where it was really hard for me to see that because Well, all things come to an end. There's a time where, like we were discussing before the podcast, how, you know, he's, he prays that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people. And we know that really all of the apostles were persecuted even to death, Mm -hmm. brutal deaths. And that doesn't mean his prayer wasn't answered. It means it was answered fully till the moment that God called him home. And he's not saying that there isn't going to be a time where we're called home. He's saying we shouldn't, we shouldn't miss opportunities to share the gospel because of fear of what may come, whether it's persecution or anything. Well, and we were also discussing is, and maybe you can share too with the listeners, um, about how Paul, how Paul's end did come. Some people may not know that, but it's important to know what you said at the Damascus road where God, God told him or told Ananias actually that he would show Paul everything he must suffer for his namesake. And so that means at the Damascus road, Paul already knew it knew everything that was going to happen, including what his end would be. Yeah. And so maybe share with them briefly what that was. Cause so the way church history that. records it, if I'm not mistaken, is that Paul, in his second imprisonment in Rome, was eventually clothed in lamb skin. You know, they skinned a couple lambs and took those still bloody, dripping lamb skins, clothed him in it, and put him in the Colosseum with lions. And the lions smell blood. They, they hunt you down. There's no escape. 
and they eat you alive. It's, I mean, aside from the cross, there's not many worse ways to go. Mm -hmm. And Paul longed his whole ministry to go to Rome, even though God had told him what would occur. Like if he, if he showed him all things, that means he showed him his death. He showed him his shipwrecks. He showed him the snake bites. He showed him the beatings. He showed him how often, not just new believers or unbelievers would reject you, but how much seasoned Christians would struggle to be in your presence because of the horrible things you had done before Christ. He, he saw all these things. He knew what he must suffer for Christ's sake. Mm-hmm. And he boldly went forward and he boldly shared the gospel and he boldly built churches and he never hid any of this. He never hid his past from a single person. I mean, not that you could when you're that famous. Do you think that he wanted after Rome so badly because he knew that he was secure for the end, like that he would go to be with Jesus at his death? And so since he knew, I mean, or he probably didn't have the details that it would happen in Rome. He, he just may not knew have. that. Like, we don't know if he was visually shown all the gory details. If Christ just told him. You're going to suffer a lot. I mean, I just think about it in our life. Like, who rushes to their death? Everybody's like, I mean, being honest, it's constantly like trying to, try like, to avoid. Right. You're, you like want to be preserved. Yeah. You, you know, I mean, but it's not out of like, I don't know. It's not like because you not, I mean, for me, it's not that I worry that, oh, I might not go to hell. Like I'm secure there. But usually you're thinking about who will be left behind, what that would entail. But here's this man, you know, Paul, such a um, hero of the faith. And he's just like, well, and he would teach that he counted it glory. Like either I survive another day to share the gospel or I go home with the Lord to live as Christ, to die as gain. There's no losing. Yeah. Like it's a win-win situation. If you're running full speed after Mm -hmm. the Lord. It really is. And yeah, Paul so Paul lived that example. He didn't just teach it. You know, every time he was imprisoned, you see him ministering mm-hmm. or worshiping or singing because he had no fear. He's he knows, like he's been given a job to do. Mm-hmm. And no matter what human circumstances have positioned him, he must be in the right place at the right time because God has commissioned him. And, and so, yeah, if you're in a situation that seems to be a huge struggle, like we can fall back on Paul's teaching and he taught in word and in deed, like he did the work, the Mm -hmm. good work and the good word were equally important to Paul. Mm -hmm. He did not just lean on one. He, he led by example and he taught the truth. And so when you find yourself in a, a hard ministry or a hard job or a hard situation, like it could be very helpful to at least consider the possibility that God put you there for some reason. Mm-hmm. And so then you can lean in on, well, what am I supposed to do in that situation? You're to worship the Lord. You're to pray without ceasing. You're to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. 
and he will empower you for the specific and special works that maybe need to occur. Like you have authority in Christ and you have strength through him. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. then you're just expectant. Like tomorrow can be a totally different experience at work or at home or with the struggle in your life. Like if you've got Goliath and you're facing him tomorrow, yeah, come on. You have to recognize that that battle was always going to turn out for David. Like it was not a fair fight. And David never considered it a fair fight. It doesn't matter that it was a giant twice his size and far more experienced in battle and far, far stronger. He recognized something that even the rest of God's people didn't recognize. And that's that this poor guy doesn't even know the Lord. Like He doesn't stand a chance. Mm-hmm. Man. And when you start thinking like that, like this boldness and lack of fear will get things done for the kingdom. And so I just pray that the Lord blesses you today, that he guides you, that he guards you. And that you've been encouraged in your hearts and strengthened for every good work and every good word. Amen.